0: To slapcast this is episode seven of our coverage of the 2021-22 season i'm your host gage as usual and it has been a long old time since we had episode six about three months in fact um there's been various reasons for that and we'll be sure to fill you in on our extended absence period of course but i'm pleased to say that after all this time i'm still joined and have not been abandoned by uh the likes of reese hello reese hello and ethan as well hello ethan up, my man and of course the long lost son himself appearing from the other side of an engagement it's josh josh how are you
1: i'm good how are you
0: really good it's good to see you i should have said i'm
1: engaged how are you
0: that's (laughs) annoying i i i even teed you up for that too you did but yeah so uh you know, obviously we've we've all said our personal congratulations and everything to Josh for many, many moons, but um we'd like to offer you a, a public congratulation for your engagement. On the record. I am
1: fianced.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Olivia as well, if she's listening, which yeah. she probably might not be, but no. Yeah. <laughs> no chance. Um, but No Zero. Yeah. Like at all. <laughs> but um yeah, so we're very pleased to to announce that and uh, share that with everyone else. In the meantime, I don't think any of the rest of us have been up to anything quite that exciting, but um, my semester last year was pretty difficult. Um, I was pretty constantly uh, doing schoolwork, which is largely the reason for my uh, absence from the pod as well, which is largely inexcusable, of course, but uh, we're here anyway. So, <laughs> Reese, uh, how, was, how was your... Uh end of the semester last year
2: uh it was good i was interviewing at a few different places uh i don't know if i'm supposed to say where i don't know if it's too early but i did get an i did get an internship which is cool so that's gonna happen in the summer um but yeah the schoolwork itself was you know it was fine i had some some courses that were a little difficult primarily because i wasn't attending them but um (laughs) I pulled through. <laughs> I had I had a little bit of that too,
0: self inflicted difficulty. Yeah. And Ethan, I know you've been uh, going strong as well.
3: Yeah, it's it's been a pretty up and down semester, uh, last one and um, but I did end up getting that four 0. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But now last semester was pretty cool. I'll share that um, what I do at the university is I record a bunch of the athletics games for um the athletics and uh it goes to espn sometimes so that's pretty cool
0: the cameraman himself the major cameraman so if you're ever watching uh espn games there's a pretty small chance that it could be ethan who's recording but there is a chance
3: i'm right i'm running under the hoop
0: yeah well, of course in in 3 months there's been quite a litany of news and happenings that have occurred in in the world of and the jazz. prem and jazz, yeah. You got to start with
1: the main question.
0: How could I how could you I start
1: with... Yeah, how dare you. So, what is your favorite sandwich?
4: Cool.
1: Now, I'm going to exclude like a hamburger slash cheeseburger, depending on person. A hot the dog. Person. Fuck you, and a fried chicken. I'm gonna exclude hot dog too. It's my question.
2: You're excluding and, fried chicken,
1: fried chicken sandwiches because I feel like those three are like the pillars of sandwich. You're
2: thinking like you're like sandwich meat. They're sandwiches. almost
1: their
0: own genre. Yeah,
1: yeah so I'm kind of
2: thinking. I'm more thankful. like something I could order at a sandwich store.
1: Yeah, but not just sandwich meat because, like, I but I just couldn't include like burgers, fried chicken, sandwiches, and hot dogs because one fuck, Gage, hot dogs not a sandwich.
0: No, I actually don't even and, think it is either. I just wanted to say that.
1: <laughs> why you, why you, <laughs> I just wanted to be and, incendiary. And uh, those the other two, they just they're too good to be included.
0: I'm a cl- I'm a BLT man. I have to say, I like the BLT. Especially if you cook, BLT. if you cook the, uh, I was gonna say if you cook the, the bacon. <laughs> That's stupid. If you if you have a little like fried ham on there too, BLT with fried ham. There's a place in Decatur actually that they have a really good uh, fried ham BLT, and it absolutely slaps. So slaps. Token. No. Token no. plug.
2: <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna go with the tried and true. It, it's never steered me wrong. If I could, it, it like I could eat it every day and I get tired of it, which is proven because I did this in high school, the peanut butter and jelly.
1: What jelly? Grape jelly. Is that your favorite jelly, or is it just like the go-to?
2: Well, uh, I'm allergic to strawberries, and the other option is strawberry uh, jelly. <laughs> There's other jellies, but you know those are like the two most popular.
1: I'm going to be honest. I mean, I
2: can eat strawberry jelly, but, yeah, grape jelly is where it's at. I don't it's, know
1: how death-inducing blackberries are to you, but blackberry jelly is pretty good.
0: This might be a horrible take. You know
2: day. what I do like is apricot jelly.
1: I think I've had that, like, once or twice. Never on, like, a PB&J, but I've had it on, like, butter toast. This might be a horrible take,
2: but
0: I honestly don't— If I'm eating strictly in the context of pb and J, I I honestly don't think I can tell the difference between jelly flavors. Like if you gave me a sandwich with peanut butter jelly, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you gave me a sandwich with <laughs> with grape jelly so I, and then another one with, with, with strawberry,
3: yeah, butter. that's disgusting.
2: I think I think grape and strawberry are hard to differentiate, but when you get into like apricot and blackberry, that's when it you know yeah,
4: when you can okay. tell. Yeah,
1: okay. I I'll I'll or go with if that. If it's a high quality jelly, like not the like cheap. Like stuff, but like the actual. Like, I was good, just thinking, like, like puckers or whatever it's called. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Like, puckers.
2: It's called like smuckers. Oh, I think.
0: Smuckers. <laughs> Pucker is what my ass does whenever I eat
1: it. <laughs> Ethan, what sandwich do you like? We're gonna avoid that one.
3: Um, it's gotta be a peanut butter sandwich with peanut butter jelly. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> no, um. Yeah, this is a tough question for me, because if you knew me in high school, you knew that I literally went between PB&J's and turkey sandwiches every day, so, but I'm getting back into it. Um, I actually like turkey and cheese sandwiches, um, but the tried and true one for me has always been a grilled cheese.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's my second for sure. The
0: Sonic grilled cheese, bruh. You know what I'm saying? They got the buttery bread. I always get
3: one.
2: Mm -hmm. I've never They had a grilled cheese uh, burger
3: they did that was crazy is that yeah. not just a patty yeah. melt like
2: no because what they did is um it's like it's like an actual grilled cheese okay i'm i'm trying to think of the way to. it's like bun buns grilled cheese? and then the top bun is the bottom of the grilled cheese
0: and then there's just like the rest of the grilled cheese is on top
2: yeah so like you basically have three pieces of bread
0: okay i see what if what if you did it what if it was a burger but both of the buns were just grilled cheeses?
2: That's what that would, I thought. that's what I I actually eat. have eaten something like that before. Uh oh what was it called? It was called the, something really the, funny. The
3: badass big ass oh, yeah, burger I was,
2: Yeah, it was something like the badass burger or something. Uh, it was it was a burger and the buns were grilled cheeses.
4: A
3: big ass grilled cheeseburger. That's oh, what
2: it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, what it was.
0: I think my mouth is too small for that, bro. I don't even think I could, like, open my mouth wide enough. <laughs> no, yeah, I had to use a right fork. I'm in danger. No, yeah, I had to use a fork. But, um, yeah. Josh, I, what, what's your favorite sandwich?
1: Sometimes you, oh, yeah.
0: No, fuck your sandwich,
1: Josh. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite. It's kind of, It's not weird. It's just not common. It's turkey, pepperoni, and mozzarella. And it goes. Is that the real
0: sandwich, really or is that just hard. you combining ingredients? Like.
1: like I a think subway order, like a, maybe. I think it's like a poor man's Italian sandwich. Okay. Wait, it
0: sounds good. I mean, I like. Yeah, yeah I dude, like I'm Italian. Not i was just, I was actually. I was literally just asking. Like.
1: Pepperoni is expensive, so I don't always buy it. So my my go to. So I usually eat a sandwich for lunch usually a pbmj or it's turkey and cheese but instead i've been, i keep forgetting to get mayonnaise at the store so it's barbecue sauce mustard and hot sauce it is really good it's a good combination
0: you
2: it sounds kind of weird but
0: the triple sauce is what's
1: throwing me off a little bit like what's throwing me is the
2: barbecue me? sauce i don't yeah. think the barbecue sauce really mixes with that at all
1: yeah, it's pretty good. It goes really well with the turkey, and then mustard goes solid with barbecue sauce, like uh, Carolina mustard-based barbecue sauce. I'm sorry for your toilet, <laughs> bro. My no toilet. Okay, let me tell you all about my toilet. I, do we want so to So I hear moved this? in. Yes, you do. My <laughs> so with my fiance when she helped me move in like to this apartment like last year. We, We're like bringing stuff up and she goes into the bathroom and she goes, your toilet's tilted. I'm like, the fuck do you mean the toilet is tilted? It is literally (laughs) not level. Like this thing, like I'm waiting for the day where I just sit on it and just fucking breaks. And I'm just going to be like, well that sucks. And I just have to like mass move shit out of my apartment. It, It is horrendous. Like I just walked in and was like, this explains why this apartment was this cheap.
3: Like a roller coaster.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, tilted toilet. It's a great thing. The new
2: Fortnite map. Uh.
1: <laughs> I was just thinking that too. I thought about it, but I was Didn't want to say it. <laughs> oh. Well, Apparently, that is so stupid. Towers, man. I, I know. That's why I, I said
0: that. that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's. We're. Once again, That's treading on dangerous—we're treading in really great. dangerous waters—with the the toilet talk and the Fortnite talk. Um, so flush factory. So I'm gonna move on <laughs> <laughs> now as quickly as possible to what this podcast is actually about and talk about the Premier League. Um, where should we start, gentlemen? Someone volunteer themselves to go first on the state of the union for our clubs oh, yeah. here. Okay, Josh
1: has volunteered to, to go first. Um, we suck. That's, you know, <clears throat> par for the course. Um, Not well, even. I guess there's been a... Yeah. I don't know. It was bound to happen one of these seasons. So I, I guess we got to go, like, way back. So we finished third in our Europa League group because we suck. We finished third to Napoli and Spartak, Moscow. We should probably so that clarify beautiful.
0: that we're talking about Leicester here. Um, oh. But, but, um,
1: yeah. And then we got knocked out of the Carabao Cup in the quarterfinals because Diego Jota is a sack of shit and didn't get sent off because the refs love Liverpool. You oh. know, through threw a flying elbow. Um, and then we had... The league has been a wondrous sack of shit because we have, like, four players at AFCON, a million injuries. And, yeah, it it's going okay. It's pretty shitty at the moment.
2: Is it all a personnel thing, like AFCON and injuries, do you think, or is it tactics, too?
1: Um, The Brighton game, we should have won, but I think with the 1-0, I think just with our, like squad depth at the moment because of those I think Rodgers was like oh we're going to sit back and then Welbeck came on and fucking scored because of course he did. But he I think it's like a combination, But I also think like we have to play Dewsbury Hall in like the role that Tillman usually plays in and then indeed and then Tillman's is like sliding back to um Indidi's role so it's just I don't even get I don't really want to talk about the Tottenham game. I already kinda of gave my spiel well, about that in say, our group chat.
0: Dewsbury Hall Dewsbury Hall He's actually been impressed okay. me in that game. Overall, I didn't get to actually watch the game live, which of course I didn't, but um Yeah like, from I, what I saw I in guess, the highlights, yeah. it was actually pretty
1: good. That game was that was very infuriating. I'm not saying we should have won, but we like they scored in like with six seconds left of added to, of the injury time, like that ball is kicked and the whistle needs to be blown. Except
2: for the like, fact yeah, that Siencu was you, rolling
0: around on the ground for two minutes in the in added time.
2: Yeah, you didn't you didn't watch the game, so like something could have happened in added time that adds more time.
0: Yeah. He got tackled by Bergwijn, and he was Bergwijn got a yellow for it, but Siencu was laying on the ground rolling for like two minutes, so that's why they yeah, added man. the time on.
1: And then Dakar got hurt in the next game. It's really fucking annoying. I'm, Yeah, it's it's pretty awful. And we just can't catch a break. Like, Pereira got injured again. And then I hate, like, the Brendan Rodgers is a shitty manager, like, take that so many people have. It's like, no, there's only so much you can do. We're a club that got promoted, like, set eight years ago, seven years ago. There's only so much we can do, like, with what we have. Like, we can't go spend, like, 100 million pounds in a window. Like, if we spend 40, like, we're not spending anything in the next window, like what we did this summer. It's just frustrating. And it... Yeah. Like, I don't think Rodgers is a great manager, but I don't think he's as awful as people are saying. And, yeah, it's just annoying. Like, he's trying to make best with, like, what he has at the moment because the injuries, like, we cannot catch a break.
2: Like, do, you, do you think he gets a pass... Because of the injury issue, or is yeah. like, like, is he to blame for any of this at all? Because he's on the point. one hand, obviously, I'll have a billion injuries, but also on the other hand, you know, the si- one of the big signings all made, Vestergaard, he's fit and well, he playing right. Big
1: signing. He was the day before the deadline because we.
2: True, but you know. And I don't necessarily think this is his fault, because I also thought Vestergaard, Vestergaard had had a very good season prior, and, you know, I, I thought he was pretty good, but he just has not been very good mm. this season. Terrible. Yeah. Like, Child
1: Hurry has had to play center back, and he's been better. And Didi and Sumare both have had to play center back. Like, we just can't catch a break with injuries, and it's like season by season. Like, yeah, we bottled the top floor the last two seasons, but, like, that's because we just we don't have the, uh, like the stature of club to compete for an entire season like at that level like we have the squad too like fully fit squad like I would say we finish fifth or sixth but like when we have this many injuries because we don't have the pedigree yet to sustain that like I, don't, I think like he's partially to blame but when you have to choose between Vestegaard Chowdhury, and a uh, guy who's only played in the under 23s like hasn't even had like a debut in the cup yet to play center back, like, there's only so much a manager can do for that.
2: Sure. Realistically, like, how high, what what's the goal now? Because I'm assuming top four is pretty much out. Yeah, top four is not going to happen.
1: I mean, we have a lot of games at hand, so it'll be with, like, depending on how we do in the FA Cup and depending how we do in conference league, uh, I would say, like, seventh-ish. Like, we'll see, like, what other clubs do, but, I don't know. I only hope to get in the Europe next year is winning the conference League, which I think is a tool, but I'm also not like super invested in it.
0: It's also a lot of extra fixtures for a club that doesn't have a lot of
1: personnel yeah. at the moment. Is, yeah. But it's like, it's the only way to sus- like sustain going in the Europe, which is like a large part of our funds, which yeah. I don't know. And I don't know, like Brent, like the people who do say Brendan Rodgers like is a shitty manager, Also, like, we won the FA Cup last year. Like, I understand for, like, most teams, like, that's not a big deal. Like, the first time we've ever won the Cup, like, it's only our, like, third time in the final and first time in, like, 60 years. I don't
0: think you understand what I would do to have Spurs win the FA Cup right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but, like, the FA Cup to, like, Chelsea and City and even Arsenal. I love
2: the FA Cup, man.
1: And, like, United fans, like, it means, like, little to nothing. Uh, No,
2: Arsenal fans will never knock the FA Cup, bro.
0: Until Spurs win it. (laughs)
2: No, even then, the Carabao Cup is the only one I've always said. Carabao Cup only matters if you win. If you don't win, then it's a crappy tournament. No one cares. If you win, yay! <laughs> but yeah, FA Cup. I think that's good.
1: Yeah, I think I don't know. I'm. We're supposed to be getting people back. Like James Justin came back against Brighton, and he that like what he brought to the table, like it was a great. I think it's been really important for Luke Thomas and Dewsbury Hall to like get game time, but it's just it's so bad. Like right now we don't have a striker. Like I think either Harvey Barnes or Luckman are gonna have to play striker. Cause Barty's hurt and Daka are hurt. So yeah, that's gonna be interesting when the international break is over. But we have Nottingham Forest in the cup, so I'm not too worried about it. But it is. A little Who did Nottingham
0: Forest beat, by the way, to get there. I don't know. I'm just asking. I don't know. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't recall.
0: But, so Josh, assuming that um, Lester's going to continue with the kind of like 4-2-3-1 shape that Rodgers has been using, what do you <clears throat> see as Lester's best midfield? Because I feel like there's a oh. lot of options that don't necessarily fit exactly into the positions that
1: are there well it's hard because of the, assume like, assume in, everyone's fit by the way everyone's fit it's indeed until in and and a double pivot and then uh madison playing a 10 slash 8 depending on who we're playing against and then i'd have barnes on the left and then Lookman on the right just and then everything and then especially with james justin being back i try and funnel everything right um and then just stack defensively on the left because uh, Barnes is so good at playing like the inverted forward role and getting on his right foot left side, like whether it's through the channels or like down through the box and playing uh, like across. People aren't used to coming in from that angle. Um, yeah, and he's yeah. good at
0: arriving late in the box too.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. And then Lookman has been really, really good for us.
0: It's kind of a I... – like, he's one of these players that will pop up at clubs, and I'll be like, oh, I forgot that he played for them, and that's how I feel about him with Leicester, too. Like, yeah, the only time he's I remember that... that he plays for Leicester is when I'm watching him play for Leicester. <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: his goal against Liverpool when we beat Liverpool was pretty good, but we also have to play Liverpool midweek next week, which is wonderful.
0: Yeah, that is sort of the other problem with all these postponements is now, like, Teams, especially teams like you guys who are still in Europe, that also have a bunch of games that got postponed, you're gonna have to like, you're you're probably gonna end up playing almost every midweek from here to the end of the season, like, yeah, which is a and little I, bit insane. And you're still in the FA Cup, so it's like fixtures, yeah, I'm hoping, nonstop.
1: Hope I'm hoping we get some good draws in the Conference League and in the FA Cup, where we can play like a rotated side. But, yeah, it's been, yeah, like, I think when we have to play, like, a 3 2 with Child Hurry playing the right side of a three, that is, that's just kind of, like, a prime example of where we're at. Well, and then, Marty's been in and out, like, all of our center backs have been in and out with injuries, and it's just, it's it's been a rough season for that.
0: In the, uh, this, like, punishment round of 32, you have uh, Randers, who are currently fifth in the Danish league, so... Yeah. I think I'm, you should be able to rotate pretty heavily for that.
1: Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's in, it's, I don't know, it's just frustrating because it's like the third season in a row that, like, just, it's not even like poor, like, training. It's just poor luck. Like, it's just. Yeah. So that's great. And, like, it's not like we haven't made good signings. Like, Sumare is a great signing as basically just insurance for when Teal Windsor and Dee leave and then DACA whenever Vardy retires at the end of the next season probably really? Yeah, so he that's not confirmed, but that's kind of like the general like consensus that people have. Cause he has um he bought steak in a uh, Rochester United up in New York and they yeah. um they're come because they are the only Never win the U.S. Open Cup, and um, but he's like reviving them. So there's and they're starting to play in the 2023 season. So it's just kind of like something most Leicester fans have kind of just accepted as like, yeah, that's probably just the way that this is going to go.
0: What if he goes and plays
1: for them? That'd be sick. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of imagine that he's going to play at least a little bit for them, like even you know, it's just like a season. Yeah, I that'd be sick i'd love that i think he would tear it up in the mls so i mean so it's not in the mls it's like the usl so oh, really <laughs> so, yeah yeah so it's like when drogba, yeah it's like when Dragbo went to phoenix and just just and they went to the final i didn't even Immediately. know that, that happened i just remember drogba playing for montreal
0: impact when it was still called yeah Back. He
1: like, yeah he started in like a development coach role in uh phoenix rising fc they have a pretty cool logo and a pretty cool um set of jerseys too but yeah that's pretty much like there's not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to lester like tactically like yeah there are some like decisions where it's like ah i understand why but like we can't do that like going for like what we were supposed to be going for
0: yeah i mean it's it's basically that until your full squad is fit you're hamstrung essentially like <laughs> quite literally in some cases
1: yeah so, yeah with, uh, but yeah it's just it's just something we'll have to work back from and then like Fofana still like he played he was training with the under twenty three. then I think he re-aggravated his injury I think people kind of forget like how good Fofana was last year and yeah. like and how like, like crucial he was to like how good we were so that's that's a little frustrating. I think when Didi, I'm so glad Nigeria got knocked out of the Afcon because having Nacho and Didi back is huge because Didi can play center back like well, and then Sumare can just fill in where he plays. So, yeah, it's it's just it's been it, a season to forget.
0: It definitely has been that, unfortunately. Um, but maybe I mean honestly. It, you just kind of have to look forward to next season at this point because um, you'll get people back yeah, healthy kind of and
1: Yeah. And I'm just – and, like, I think this season, depending on, like, how clubs, like, if they view, like, some of our players as, like, the issue, I think at that point they won't get signed, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, one or two of, like, big players got signed this summer.
0: And also the – one of the – I just thought of this, actually, but one of the only benefits to having this Winter World Cup is that players are actually going to get a full summer off um which is yeah. extremely useful because it hasn't happened in quite issue. some
1: time yeah i'm i have a feeling that they're gonna um have to extend the season like two or three weeks
0: yeah but i mean like there, my point is there's not a tournament in the middle yeah. like yeah which helps and i don't even think the nations league is happening this summer either so it's like fully fully they have time off finally
1: I mean, even if the nations leave, it doesn't really affect that many teams.
0: No, but I just mean a lot of those players that play for the European nations, like, they'd still have to go and train and play, and it's just Mm -hmm. a whole kind of thing that's different from getting time off, so... But, uh, yeah, I suspect we should leave Leicester there. I'm going to move on to Ethan now, I think. Um... Ethan, I would imagine that you're pretty happy overall with the direction that Palace are taking um, at this moment. So, I'll just start you off with a softball question: and how happy are you with Vieira so far? I mean,
3: he he's been my favorite manager as of recent because when you think about all those old white dudes that have managed Palace <laughs> these past few seasons, it's like they don't even compare to Vieira because they've just been focused on. Mediocrity, while Vera actually wants to go push and do something with this team. Um, we've seen people like Hodgson and and um, Pardu that they know, um, if we're like one uh, uh, one nil up and it's like the 70th, he's not, they're going to bring on defenders and hold off. While Vera will want to try and go and push for another. So it's just progressive football, and it's definitely not something I'm used to. So I'm definitely enjoying Vera at the moment.
0: Yeah, I uh, I wanted to ask a similar question to that I asked to Josh actually because I feel like one of the biggest areas of improvement, especially from Roy Ball, um, has been that midfield. Um, and so I wanted to talk about, you know, who do you think is is the best midfield that Palace lines out with, um, whether it be in the four uh, the 3 or or another formation. I just wanted to hear your take on Palace's midfield,
3: really. Yeah, so we've definitely done better in the midfield. I think um, a big problem in the past seasons was that we were not able to fight in the midfield. It was usually usually either a defensive battle where we hit on the counter or we just keep most of the the ball with the attack but not really going forward. So the fact that we've got a great midfield this season is is, um, really good. And, um, I mean, we've seen Gallagher. I was talking about him last podcast about how good he is. And, you know, he's been our top scorer so far this season. So... He's just been amazing, and um, I didn't say it last podcast, but Will Hughes started playing for us, and he's taken up the role that MacArthur played really well, and um, great at, on the ball and winning the ball back, and um, we've kind of had to implement um, some players that wouldn't usually play in the midfield, like like Shalop, and um, we've had to suffer a little bit with Luka um, playing a little bit, because um, Fiat is at um, AFCON at the moment, so um, it's kind of like a, a bingo, just like who can get that one last midfield spot after Gallagher and Hughes, but um, we're also looking at, um, being at the transfer, January transfer window, we're looking at uh, Van De Beek from United, and that's a pretty exciting signing, because then we've got Will Hughes kind of playing defensive, and Gallagher playing box-to-box, and then Van De Beek kind of playing in an a attacking role, so that would be my ideal situation. Um, We've been playing most of our attacking midfielders like Eze and elise, um, on the wings, and it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, elise has been amazing so far, and he's kind of taken up that spot of Zaha while he's at AFCON as well, who will be coming back because Af- uh, Ivory Coast just got eliminated, but um, I'm, I'm really happy with how Gallagher's turned out, and I'm actually really happy with how Will Hughes has turned out because um, with MacArthur being one of our most essential midfielders, he's getting really up there, and um, he keeps having some injuries, so I'm glad um, Will Hughes has kind of taken that spot.
2: Speaking of Gallagher, um, obviously, you know, he's the, the sad news is that he's just on loan. He's going back to Chelsea next season. Uh, I I would argue, and I don't know if you would agree with me on this, that he has probably been y'all's most important player this season, uh, just in terms of the system and the press y'all are playing as well. Uh, do y'all break the bank to get him next transfer window because presumably he's been so good Chelsea probably can slap a pretty hefty price tag on them uh, what would you say is the maximum y'all should spend on him
3: you know that's tough to say because you know he is English and for the record I do think he's been our best player so far because um, he's he's always contributed to the games that we've done really well in but um, I, I would also love to break the bank on him um, I think anything um, from Well, I guess anything below 60 or so million would probably be really good. Um, But, you know, Chelsea, with the way they're playing or with the way he's playing at the moment, they could probably offer whatever amount. And some may argue that he could break into the Chelsea team, but um, just with the way their midfield is so set up and with all the midfield players they do have, I just can't see that anytime soon. So they'll probably either send him out on loan again or try and, and get some money off of him. So... And with the way he's playing now, they'll probably, like, he'll probably attract attention from a lot of good clubs around the world. So it'll be really tough to get him. But I would, I would love to have him back because he obviously loves the club. So we'll just see what happens. Hoping for the best.
1: I think the one thing that'll have going for you is that FIFA is changing the loan rule. I was about to say Can that you, too. Is that the next transfer window, or?
0: I think it starts at the beginning of next season. So. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, like, that. I think that's one thing, like, especially price tag-wise, that y'all might have going for you. Because, I mean, we obviously don't know, like, how Chelsea are going to you that. But, like, they have a lot of, like, really good youngsters that they're going to have to choose. Like, do, who do we keep and, like, who do we, like, slap a price tag on? And even, like, if they do slap a price tag on, they have, like, 20 players out on loan. So, it's going to be really hard for them to keep any of them. So, hopefully, for y'all's sake, y'all will be able to get Gallagher. A semi-decent price and nothing like ins- insanely inflated.
3: Yeah, and we've seen kind of that already play out. I mean, we bought Gehe from Chelsea already because they had to get rid of some people, and um, we've seen Salisu for Southampton, and um, I think Tyrick Lamty for Brighton also came yeah. through Chelsea. So and Fermento
0: so. at Southampton. Yeah, I, I
3: hope. Yeah, but um, yeah, I would, I would love to have Gallagher. And so hopefully they can do us uh, uh, some great business and let them have have him on permanent. The
2: other
0: thing, too.
2: uh, Sorry, you go ahead.
0: I was just going to say the other thing, too, is they have a lot of players who fulfill that role already. I mean, Kovacic has been unbelievable this season, and he pretty much matches exactly the role that Gallagher would be playing in that team as well. So Gallagher would probably want to leave to get first team football as well. So.
1: That's a positive. Right. They also have a Ross Berkeley who was like yeah. who was really good at villa last year and is just injured now. So they have an interesting there I think there's a they also have a lot of dead weight that just needs to be like sold and not just sent out on loan. Like Danny Drinkwater still technically plays for Chelsea. He has just yeah. gone out on loan like a billion times. So that'll be interesting to see. And that's just a whole like interesting thing for Chelsea, like how they're gonna manage that like new way that everything's working.
2: What would you say is the next area of improvement because obviously the priority in the summer was to just stop playing loy ball and start actually attacking uh what positions you know are are you eyeballing
3: you know i actually had to sit down and think about it because it's like we've got a bunch of good players in these positions but it's like can when how can we field all of them at the same time and where does like the weaknesses lie after that um I, immediately, I look at right back with Joel Ward, but then again, we've got Nathan Ferguson, who's working his way back up to fitness and has started a few games for the under-23s. So, um, I maybe if he's not ready, maybe getting a new right back because Joel Ward, as much as I love him, he he is just he's getting up there and he can't keep up with these fast players on the wing anymore. So, um, uh, I w- I would usually say left back, but Mitchell's having a great season already. Um, I would kind of like to invest in a younger goalkeeper because right now we've got Guaida Butland and um, Rumi Matthews who's not per se young but he's like the youngest out of the bunch and I still don't think he's that young so I think in- investing in like a younger goalkeeper that way he could be for the future would be really well um, just because we're kind of figuring out who our goal number one is going to be right now. I
4: think but Sam
3: uh,
1: if y'all could get, depending on how West Brom's situation, I imagine he will not win the championship. Like he's way too good to spend two seasons there. I think if, if y'all can get him, that'd be huge for y'all because that's a goalkeeper. Like depending on if any club, clubs come and swoop, swoop for him, like as a keeper, you can keep for like seven, eight years at a club.
3: Yeah, there. I've seen a lot of. Um not not really rumors just people's opinions on twitter and then they they all want sam johnson just because he would be a good deal and he'd be he was a great goalkeeper for west Brom when they were in the league he just had a terrible defense to work with so i think he would definitely be a good um shout to bring to the club um but other than goalkeepers uh i would actually look at another i know roy ball was strictly dms only but um the fact that all of our DMs are kind of bad now, except I don't really, Will Hughes is kind of another, just a regular CM, but he's been playing defensive right now. So um, I would like another uh, DM. And one that kind of stood out, he he probably is being looked at by a bunch of big clubs, but uh, I watched the, the Ivory Coast a lot because it's all hot place for them. And um, Ibrahim Sangare from PSV is, he's crazy, dude. I I was watching him. He's just, He's so good on the ball and he's got a great shot on him, so I wonder if PSV will be letting letting him go anytime soon, but he would definitely be one I want brought in.
1: He's a great holding midfielder. But uh, they, they ESPN plus has some of the broadcasting rights and the Dutch league has some weird like the way they do stuff is really weird, like with their scheduling. So I think that'd be a great signing for y'all. will just be I think y'all be able to get him in. I think it's difficult than trying to get him in. But if y'all like but I think also like y'all are probably gonna go through cultural change. Like, depending on where y'all can finish, like if y'all can sustain where you are, which I hope y'all do, they like if y'all can do that, y'all can probably keep like some of these better players. Like even if it's not on loan, like minutes. I think like I think the Vieira hire can be like really transformative for Palace and can probably change like the entire culture and like. Not just be like, oh, I hope we don't get relegated. Like, hey, I hope we can challenge like, top half and maybe top eight in a few years.
3: Yeah, Vera definitely has that pull. I mean, we've seen it with Van de Beek. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but he, the fact that um, Vera was a player that a bunch of these play, uh, up-and-coming players watched growing up is that pull factor in place. So um, I think he's definitely a good manager in that sense. But he's just been a great fit so far. I mean, a lot of the player or a lot of fans from other teams thought he would probably be the first to go, but he's been holding on and there's been so many manager changes so far in the season. I know we'll get to that in a minute, but, um, yeah, he's just been great so far. Um, I just have a few more things before we move on. Uh, a lot of the games that we've been playing have come down to individual mistakes and, um, I've, I've not held them to the players as much because they're still young and they're still working on it. So, um, definitely something we'll get over in time because we've had a few games where we've just dropped points in the last minute and um that's it's cost us a bunch and um a bunch of our players are coming back from AFCON uh like Saha and I think Cuyate's still with Senegal um and is back and I know Ayu hasn't been the best um player this season he hasn't been scoring as many goals but he is he's so good at winning the ball or winning fouls and getting forward with it so It'll definitely be good to have him back. Um, I'm not saying this for all the games, but uh, there's been some unlucky situations um, these past few games, uh, like in the Liverpool game. Um, we were really close to you know almost getting a point from the game. I, I wouldn't say winning because that's a bit of a stretch, but um, it's just we've had a few mistakes with that penalty AAR is one of the worst stuff, decisions I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> I was so frustrated, and and I'm, I'm glad. Another thing with Vera is I'm glad he's not afraid to criticize referees in VAR when when it when it's warranted. Because in the past, like you know, like Roy would just be like, "Oh, it's just unfortunate, you know, move on." But like Viera is actually like like standing standing up for his players. So I think that's really good. Um, shows that he's like going to go to war for them. So um, you know, as we're figuring out which starting elevens are best, we're kind of just um, going through each uh, player like lineups and just making sure each team can work. And so far it it has, um, you know, we're still trying to figure out which players um, we probably should get rid of, like Luca and just players that don't really contribute much anymore. So we're kind of just figuring that out. Um, I mentioned the goalkeeper situation. Um, we've been back and forth between Guaida and Butland. Um, Guaida had COVID and so Butland had a few games and he had one really bad game and one really good game. Um, was it did he save the penalty in the Spurs game? No. Or was that No? Okay, it was a different game. Oh, he saved which which game did he save a penalty in? I don't know. He he saved a penalty in one of these games. Oh, oh the Brighton game. He saved he saved a penalty oh, yeah. in the Brighton game. Um so that was pretty hype. He was a pretty big cold hero for that. Um the defense has been pretty good. Uh I'm really happy with Gahey and uh, Anderson. Their their combo has been pretty good. Mitchell's been good. Um, Ward has actually been good. I know I criticized him earlier, but um, for the state he's in, I think he's been doing all right. And then midfield options like Gallagher and Will Hughes have all been good as well. And then lastly, the front three. It's been kind of a roulette because um, we're seeing a like revival of Mateta uh, under Vieira because he's been playing now, and he's actually been doing good. And uh, he's come a long way <laughs> since his back heel against Brighton under Roy. And uh, actually playing again, so um, we've kind of been playing Edward on the left, but he's been really prolific, and um, but has kind of taken a back seat since then. So just kind of seeing who fits the mold for the game. So um, yeah, it's just been it's been a lot, but I've I've enjoyed watching us play. Now we seem like we've actually want to go and get some results out of these like big games. So yeah, I guess good days are ahead.
0: It feels like a completely different team from the one we talked about last season
3: well i think last season was the worst season i've ever been watched as a palace fan it was just like and i mean we'll talk about in a second but um watching roy was literally like like there was just no joy it was just like constant depression because he's just like oh we'll just try and get a draw out of all these games and then we go and lose 7-0 to liverpool
4: i can't believe what 6 6 30
3: in
2: I'm so glad they did because I love watching them get relegated.
3: <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> Me too. And the funny, thing about, the funny thing about that is that Roy, he could do well when he's got a good defense, but I think that they've got one of the worst defenses in the league.
0: And so no doubt and about
3: play, it. And so he's going to try and play defensive football <clears throat> with that team. So I think it will be really funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, cool. Something funny about that, by the way, I'll just take a – interlude to talk about Watford for a second but um they hired him on I think I read this somewhere that they hired him on the 20th anniversary of him being sacked from Udinese who are also owned by the same family that owns Watford (laughs) so (laughs) 20 years ago they sacked him from Udinese and now they're hiring him for Watford so I mean that is pretty hilarious I think
3: um I keep telling telling Reese that he's just gonna die in this job (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is he 75 so something like that but he doesn't need all that stress and shite over it at Watford yeah
0: I mean he's he's, he's gonna, gonna be retired. he's probably already on the hot seat they're probably already thinking about sacking him and he hasn't even taken charge of a game yet so I
2: saw somebody yeah. they said uh they were like oh uh I'm a little surprised they gave him a contract to the end of the season that's a little long for Watford it,
0: literally like Last season they had or uh two se- when they were last in the Prem they had four managers and they've already had three now so they're on pace like they're on pace to to have four managers every season.
3: I I honestly don't think it's gonna work out. I know it's like yeah. you try you try to take off your palace out, but I just don't think it's gonna work.
0: Especially because like Norwich are on the rise, Newcastle are almost definitely gonna survive like. Burnley's always there and thereabouts. I mean, it's gonna be a tough old battle for Watford.
1: And Everton, I can't remember who Everton have at the end there and break. If they lose, I think they have new, and that's very possible that they will lose. The relegation crazier than it already is.
0: I can't believe that they're in 16th, Everton.
1: Yeah, it's just mental. I mean, they went from having like a great manager to like like relegation battle. For now he is like obviously he hasn't always been
2: but it, yeah
0: yeah he who rafa because well, he's
2: not there is he
0: well no he but <laughs> he he's saying he went from ancelotti
2: you know um randomly he, to... he, 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 duncan right. ferguson is getting his second run with the club i honestly think if he does what he does if, if he does what he did last time they should just give him the full-time job yeah because i thought he was pretty good last time
0: he, my favorite thing about Duncan Ferguson is whenever he subbed on Moise Keane in the 70th minute and then and subbed him off in the 75th. Yeah, that was my favorite thing that Duncan Ferguson ever did.
1: Uh, I, lo- I, I, I'm glad Moise Keane has actually like had like some level of rise because I kind of felt bad for. Him. Is he still Kean? He every- yeah, he's playing pretty well too because like he's never really got a chance. Like they kind of just shat on him the whole time and. Now, like now, he's like proving like he's not that bad.
0: What a weird career path! Like seriously, oh, was it Juve a- a- to Everton to PSG? Yeah, that is, and I think maybe some there's a loan in there somewhere that I forgot. I think, but
2: did he have a loan at Wolves?
0: No, that was Patrick Cutrone. Oh,
2: it was Cutrone.
0: Um, but he surely had a different loan somewhere, Italian. Where I'm thinking, yeah, different Italian. I'm thinking like. Oh, never mind. His only loan is to well, PSG. No, he's at Juve right now, Josh. He's on loan I thought at he Juve. Was. He's uh here's his. this is his official career path. He started at Juve, came through the academy, went on loan to Hellas Verona for a season, then was sold to Everton, loaned to PSG and then loaned to Juve. So he's technically still on the books at Everton.
4: Really?
1: Yeah. I did not I, I didn't thought he moved to PSG.
0: He is still an Everton player. Which is absolutely insane. And he's only twenty one. Which is also insane. I mean, he was born in two thousand, which is the same as two of us. Oh my so god. That's absolutely mental. Um But yeah, what a what a strange career path. What a strange club, Watford. Um Well, let's move on to another strange club, and that's Spurs, uh, who's just infinitely exist to baffle me and prevent me from applying logical analysis to anything that happens um because i don't even understand like there's so many things about spurs that i've tried to think about and come up with prescient points to say on the podcast and i just genuinely don't even really know where to start i will say that spurs twitter and just the general spurs fan community right now is in an absolute state of meltdown and i don't really understand so the transfers why. Yeah, like, transfers and the fact that we lost to Chelsea three times in two weeks without scoring, like, and... I mean,
2: they're in second, aren't they? Yeah,
0: and now, I'll talk about the whole Chelsea thing in a minute, but the transfer thing, I mean, like, we lost out on this Adama Traore deal, but we were going to try to shoehorn him into a position that we've tried to replace people five times with and been unsuccessful. Like, so I don't... I don't really understand why people are so upset about missing out on him because I don't even think it was the best decision anyway (laughs) because if you look I wrote this down just because I thought it was funny if you look at our right back situation since 2017 we sold Kyle Walker to Man City for 50 million replaced him with Kieran Trippier who was already at the club and he's a decent player but he's not Kyle Walker right like but he's he's an alright player he's an England international went on to win the league with Atletico whatever like he's a good player Replaced him with Serge Aurier after we sold him, um, who's an alright player, but he's, you know, reckless, has not a lot I'm of discipline. Prone to mistakes. Yeah, not a great defender, but he's pretty good going forward. Scores a few goals here and there. Replaced him with Matt Daugherty, who everyone thought was going to be a good signing, but actually ended up not being such a good signing and not playing very well. Playing him out of position at right back instead of right wing back. Then we replaced him with Emerson Royale, who's been the worst crosser in the league this season, statistically. Oh, also
2: Tanganga was in there somewhere.
0: And Tanganga playing out of position at right back randomly. Kyle Walker-Peters also has to be thrown into the mix as well, um, who we sold and then went on to play actually really well for Southampton. Um, he just scored his first Premier League goal ever, by the way, against City. It was um, a banger. It was an absolute belter outside of the foot. So, And then we were going to try to replace Emerson Royale with someone who's not even a right
1: back. Uh, so... I really don't understand why Barcelona won him.
2: Apparently, he was there uh, to start with. He I was, didn't know that.
1: Yeah, he was a youth, yeah. youth player. He was there a long time. It was before he got insanely massive.
2: I literally, yeah, I saw people posting pictures of him when he played for them. And I actually, like, I'm not even kidding. I saw the pictures and I was like, who is this? Yeah. Like, I didn't know who it was.
1: But I I have no remorse for Barcelona. Like, they spent $30 million off- a guy who has had assists in the last year, and that he had a goal. his only. Okay, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> An assist in the goal in the last year, and those are his only goal. Like as a winger, it, he yeah. has been terrible. He had and a World no our... team
0: that's playing extremely well too. It's not like the team's struggling. Like no.
1: Yeah, he's... I, I don't understand it. It makes absolutely no sense. Maybe
0: that's why Spurs wanted to play him at right wing back, because he doesn't contribute on the goal front, and therefore they thought, oh, well, maybe if we just move him he's in as fast an agent and strong. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. Like He doesn't really contribute on any front. No. Like, he can press, but that's... He doesn't really rip- track back either, which is another reason I don't understand the whole right wing back thing. But... Yeah, so there was that, and then there was the Luis Diaz thing, which, again, if there's one position we don't need to strengthen right now, it's winger, and that's what Luis Diaz is. So we're moving to sign him for some reason, and then everyone's all up in arms. Because literally the reports came out and said, Luis Diaz wants to move to the Premier League. There's an offer from Spurs, but he wants to play Champions League football. And then Liverpool come in and offer, and it's like, Oh my God! Why did he accept the Liverpool offer? It's like I wonder why, guys. Like it's literally been reported since day one. It's not. It's not that difficult to understand. But anyway, so I think we will end up signing a few people. There's some more links now. Um, this Sofyan Amrabat guy has been our number one link, really, um, to play in midfield. Which I know nothing about him, so I'm not even going to comment. Um, and I then... used
1: him in a Fiorentina career mode. There you go. White. he was decent, and yeah. that's all I know about him.
0: Brother of Norden Amrabat, who once played in the Premier League for Watford. So, yeah. Uh, and then, as of today, I might as well not even say this because it'll probably change by tomorrow. But we're linked to Dejan Kulusevski from uh, Juventus, who plays as like kind of a second striker type deal, which would actually work out well in our one of our one of our three systems under Conte, which I'll get onto that too. But
2: um, I've actually got a question. Yeah. To get you rolling, uh, I heard the commentators say this during the Chelsea game, but uh, under Nuno, y'all were dead last in the league in terms of, uh, like
0: distance covered.
2: Yeah, distance covered, and now under Conte, y'all are first. Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? Like, is it all mental, or have the tactics? tactics changed so drastically that that is a thing
0: i think both i mean i think it's it's a little bit of both i think nuno's tactics were largely extremely stagnant and defensive relying heavily on i mean it was very reminiscent of Mourinho, essentially relying completely on son and Kane to do all the offensive lifting which most of your distance covered in a game does not come from the forward so it i mean it, it pretty much makes sense because our midfield was extremely stagnant and that's one of the things like you saw in the North London Derby that uh, we played in September I think um, when Spurs midfield was just like Arsenal pass yeah. like it wasn't even existent hardly and now I think we still struggle a little bit with midfield getting outnumbered in the midfield because the 3-4-3 that's one of the biggest limitations of it is having only two people in the midfield but the absolute biggest thing is the patterns um, because that's Conte's whole like, MO is that his tactics revolve completely around these attacking patterns that he drills into the players at training. He does these really elaborate drills where he sets out cones um, to to sort of mock up scenarios that you might be in while you're in possession. And, and he has the players work on the same pass over and over and over again. It's like to, to get that muscle memory of where your teammates are going to be um, and so, those patterns having happened, I think just the the midfield is so much more aware of where they need to be. Um, we actually press occasionally, which is you know a a, a major um, a major improvement because we did press a little bit under Nuno, but it was completely disjointed and um, it was really only Son and Kane doing any of the work there. So the um, the other interesting thing is, yeah, I think mentally it's it's a lot more prevalent that they're playing for one of these kind of absolute pantheon quality managers in the world. Um, and, and I think a lot of the players have responded well to that. And some haven't. It's, it's interesting. I think with those patterns, the thing about Conte is that your creativity is supposed to come from the system. Um, it's not really reliant on one player to create chances. It's supposed to be derived directly from the system itself. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're seeing, essentially, all of our creative players being marketed out um, in the transfer market. Like Ndombélé, other issues there, of course, attitude, perceived laziness. I mean, just that doesn't fit with the club. Um, so he's on his way out. Deli, I mean, enough. I don't. I think enough's been said about Deli. And then Lo Celso, which this has kind of come out of nowhere, but again, he's one of these kind of creative midfielders that just struggles to fit in under Conte. And I think if, if Conte doesn't think Lo is good enough to fit into that system, then I, I think it's, it's good for us to move him on. Um, and this isn't the first time this has happened, by the way, like when Conte was at Chelsea, he didn't use Fabregas hardly at all. And he was one of their main, um, creative outlets as well, ended up obviously, uh, loaning him and then selling him to Monaco. And then, um, like Ericsson at Inter struggled massively under Conte. He played a little bit, but um, overall he didn't he didn't contribute at the highest level because these creative midfielders just seem to struggle a lot under Conte. And it makes sense that we'd be going for someone like Sofiane Amrabat as well, who profiles, from what I know, to look a little bit like Harry Winks, um, who's actually played really well. To be fair to him, I mean, he doesn't have to pick out creative passes necessarily because he knows where players are going to be, so he can play balls in into the channels and, and find Kane without even really having to think about it. Cause he knows exactly where he's going to be. Um, that was probably way more than you bargained for with that question, but I
2: kind of, it also answered a question that I was going to, I you read my mind because I was actually going to bring up Harry Winks and that he's had a bit of a resurgence in this team, but obviously the Amrabat signing would, you know, most, most likely be Harry Winks, replacement, but, I don't even think it's the end of the world if if that deal were to fall through somehow because, yes. you know, as much grief as you know, I've given Harry Winks a lot of grief. I know you've probably given him the most. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched him in a few of y'all's games and he, he just looks way better. And it's it's I think, you know, now that I know what the game plan is, you know, it's mostly just muscle memory. It sounds kind of harsh, but now that he doesn't have to think when he's, you know, playing the ball. Really,
0: I mean, yeah. So one of the interesting things is that almost all the players that have shined under Conte have been these, like, utility-type players that um, can play multiple positions, and they're kind of, like, they don't have one particular skill set that's, you know, above all the rest. They're, They're just kind of utility players, and that's the way I would describe them. Like, you've got Winks, who's in a renaissance, You've got Skip, who's done brilliantly. I mean, he would do brilliantly in any system. I think he's an unbelievable player. Um, And then you've got people like Ben Davis, who's really adapted to life as the left center back. He's been outstanding. Um, And then you've got Eric Dyer, who's taken the central role back, and and he's looked really good. He's almost been one of Spurs' most creative players um, outside of the the patterns, because he plays these long balls over the top like Aldo Ireland used to do. He's not quite that good, but... um, yeah, i mean he's looked really good so far this season and then you get a couple players like sun has struggled a lot under conte i will say i think um he's one of these players that thrives on his own instincts like his decision making is is usually pretty poor and i think that's why he's one of the best counterattackers in the league um is because he's so good at acting purely on instinct which you would think would line up nicely with conte's pattern system But I feel like Sun is a player who is not, I'm not trying to call him unintelligent or or anything like that, but he's not very cerebral when he plays. Like, I don't think he thinks about it much, you know? And I think this kind of goes against what I was just saying about Winx, but Winx, it's from a different position though, because Sun is required to have moments of brilliance to be the world-class player that he is. And I think whenever he's forced to think about these patterns and to be where he's supposed to be um, constantly, I think it actually hampers him a lot, and he gets he gets um, bogged down a little bit with the, the system. So I, I'm not sure what to think about Sun under Conte at the moment. Um, and then Kane, of course. Kane has turned it around. I think everyone probably knew that he would eventually. Um, but it's good to see, at least, from a Spurs perspective, so...
2: Yeah, there think... hasn't been any rumors, but do you think he will still push for a move in the summer? Or do you think he will just decide to stay after the whole debacle that was last summer transfer window?
0: I don't know, to tell you the truth. I really don't. I think I think maybe he's probably realizing that he's not going to get his big move now. Because um, I don't know. I, none of the clubs that could afford him would be in for him at this point. Um... So I, I think whether or not he wants a move is a different question, but I think he's probably by now realized that he's not going to get one, um, unless he decides to run out his contract for the next, cause he signed until 2024, I think. So unless he decides to run out his contract and then move somewhere on a free, that's the only way I see him leaving at this point. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't want to, I'm just saying, I, I don't think there's an opportunity for him to at this stage. So, yeah. Oh, one other note. We did sign Hugo Lloris to a two-year extension as well, um, which is easiest contract extension I think Spurs have ever signed because he's been absolutely world-class um, in the past two seasons. So, yeah, good stuff.
2: Um, Obviously, the Chelsea games are a little bit of, like, blemishes, but, um, you know, Conte's record has been pretty good so far. Now that you've got somewhat consistent run of form like what's the next step is the next step beating teams like Chelsea and you know like being a little bit more competitive in those in those uh, higher tier games or I don't know is it some tactical thing
0: see Chelsea's kind of weird because I feel like Spurs have this weird inferiority complex with Chelsea like because every time we play them we haven't scored a goal against Chelsea in the league since November of 2018 by the way Um, Chelsea scored an own goal between now and then, but like a Spurs player hasn't scored a goal against Chelsea in the league since 2018. So Chelsea's just kind of a complete anomaly where Spurs just cannot mentally get over that hump for some reason. But in the Liverpool game at Anfield, I mean, that was one of our best performances of the season, barring the fact that we missed quite a few open chances, um, which I was obviously quite annoyed about at the time. But um, we... Liverpool and Chelsea are the only two teams that we've played so far under Conte that are like the, the elite teams. Um, so I don't really know how to comment on that yet. Cause we were really good against Liverpool and Chelsea's just one of these teams that we can't beat for some reason, regardless of who the manager is. So as far as the next step, I mean, I think just this summer is going to be a big window. I think, I, I think we just need to improve the overall quality of the players that are at the club because as much as i think harry winks has improved and he's been brilliant and players like davis and dyer have been brilliant and um the wingbacks have been all right i think we just need to improve the standard of player that's at the club and that takes time i think january is a hard window to do that in so i don't expect anything extreme right now um but in in the summer i think we'll see a little bit more of a little bit more action from Spurs in the transfer window to kind of improve the look of the squad, I think. And I think that's the, the right next step to take. So I would say I'm not necessarily optimistic, but I'm definitely not pessimistic about Spurs either. I'm kind of just interested to see where it'll go. That's what I'll say. Um, so I think I've probably, uh, taken enough t- enough time rambling on about Spurs by now. Um, so I'll turn it over to Reese now, who's in the midst of what I would say is a, a similar transition, just f- way further on in this in the lifespan. So where yeah. where is your um, trust meter for Mikhail Arteta right now? Like, how happy are you with the the way things are going?
2: I I'm in, and I never really doubted him. Obviously, there was a lot of questions surrounding him at the very beginning of the season, but even back then, I said that. You know, we just need one game, and then we could turn it around. And, you know, I would say I'm relatively happy uh, pretty much with every area on the pitch um, until recently. But, you know, there's outside issues with that. Uh, obviously, I would say our biggest issue right now is striker. We just aren't scoring, scoring goals. But, you know, there's outside influences. And, you know, as much as it's obviously affecting us, but I... We'll stand by Arteta's decision because, you know, he's the manager and you can't, you can't let players get passes on disciplinary issues. Obviously, uh, the thing I'm talking about, which I haven't mentioned is the, uh, exclusion of a bombing that has happened. Uh, he had some more disciplinary issues. I think he traveled when he wasn't supposed to, and he missed training again, and he has not played in the team, has not even been, uh, on the bench. Since then, he's been in the reserves. Um, It doesn't seem like Arteta has any plans to play him anymore. I think he's actually trying to move him on. Um, Which, you know, I think as a coach, you know, you have to make a big statement like that every now and again. It's a tough choice, but you can't give him um, different treatment just because he's a bombing, right? Um, You know, Lacazette's playing. He plays a very specialized role, though, almost almost as a false nine. So he's not really contributing the way we need him to. Um, Eddie and Ketia, I don't think he's, he's still not ready to be that player. I don't, I I don't even know if we have plans to keep him. I think he might be one that we're looking to move on. And the only reason we haven't is because of the Aubameyang situation. But we are in for a striker uh, in this window. So that could be something that's solved. But in terms of everywhere else, I've been, I've been pretty happy. Uh, I think the defense is something that we've pretty much got sorted out. Um, goalkeeper I've been very happy with. I've talked about it a lot. Uh, Ramsdale. Yeah, Camsdale. Um, I think I'm mostly happy with the midfield. There's some things to improve, but um, the club has made it obvious that there's a plan in place. So, um, yeah, that's happening. And then the, the wing, you know, we we just have too, many, we have too many options That's our issue now. You know, we've got Sokka and Martinelli fighting Smith Rowe sometimes plays on the wing, um, yeah. I we're we're spoiled for choices on that front, so I'm pretty happy. I think like the Abamyang thing, I don't think it's that big of a.
1: I mean, it obviously is a big deal, but also like he, it's not like he's been like very good this season anyway. Like when he was playing, like he, like he wasn't. It's not like he was being a world beater. Like there, he was missing like massive chances, like not regularly, but
2: pretty often so I think that'd be like, true yeah like, i think we we're already looking at replacing him maybe but yeah he does do things like like his movement off the ball are things that we're missing he I would also say.
0: got sent home from afcon um yeah the gabon uh, for heart issues sent him home yeah well that's okay so this is a weird thing because uh like i saw that the gabon national team said it was for heart issues but then did, this report came out from arsenal saying that there was nothing wrong with him right or did I misinterpret that? Because I saw somewhere uh, that, like, Arsenal said there's I don't nothing know. wrong with him. I didn't see that. I don't know. So I might be misquoting that, but I, I did hear that somewhere. I think actually Tifo were talking about it, and they said that um, Arsenal came out and said that there there may actually not be anything wrong with him. So it's kind of, kind of a weird situation there, but um, I don't know. It's just, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm not like sure
0: it's just a like such a strange development of events for his career
2: yeah apparently some teams are are looking at looking at him i've heard barcelona i think that's been one that's been there's been interest for a little while now um juventus is another name that i heard suggested but i don't think that'll happen especially now that they just got vlahovic um
1: newcastle's in the ring but who knows that yeah newcastle
2: is in the ring
1: like the Newcastle one I understand, but, like, the Barca and the U.A. I mean, Barca... I mean, it, but they play the pie at Strikers, and he's had, like... Yeah. Aside from, like, some of his misses, like... He's created lots of chances for them.
2: I don't know. I guess they're just gambling on... You know, I, I'm not one of those people that will say, you know, like, with France, you know... whole oh, Farmers League, blah, 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 blah. But I do think there is... A, there's... Obviously, a difference in quality when it comes to the Premier League and pretty much every other league. Um, So I think they're just kind of banking on him. You know, he was prolific in the Prem. He could probably tear it up in Spain. I I don't know.
1: I I, I've watched a lot of like a lot of other leagues this season just because I've been able to like and more than I've been able to Lester work schedule. And like the more I watch other leagues, like they're pretty on par, like, with the quality and, like, the way they play. Like, the bottom five and the bottom ten, like, in all of the leagues, like, they, in my opinion, they all kind of, like, look pretty similar. But that's just my opinion on it, but, I don't know, like, the Farmer's League stuff, like, the more I've, like, watched other leagues, like, yeah, I don't really know, if that's true at all.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I, uh, I don't watch enough of other leagues to even comment, really. I've just always held the belief that the Premier League is the best league in the world. But, I mean, it could be ill-founded. The thing is, I mean, the Premier is kind of turning into one of these leagues where the same team wins every year. <laughs> I mean, what, is this going to be a three-peat for City if they hang on? Which, I mean, why wouldn't they, you know? So.
1: And even, like, relegation battles, it's like the same teams, like, every two years they are in. Yeah. Like, it, I don't know. Like the more, that's just my opinion on the subject. Like I do think France is probably like the worst of the top five. I think like all like the major news sources like comparing France with probably on par. I don't know the more it's just, I don't know.
0: France is it's different just too, though, because they're the clubs there have a very different business model. I mean, their model has always been to produce young talent and sell it. That's always been the exact model that the French clubs look at. So.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not trying to say like it comes entirely from ignorance. I'm like, not watching, it, but I think a lot of it definitely is. It's like people were still saying that whenever like a La Liga, like was in the champ. Both were both teams in the Champions League final for like four years in a row.
0: True, but there well, was a, either, there was a there's... lot of draws in La Liga at that point, though. Like the, I don't know if there's a big really good, but...
2: Like, I don't think there's a question that obviously the top teams across every league are in the same realm as the top teams in Prem. I think the argument has always been that the Prem is more competitive on the bottom end.
1: Uh, yeah, and that's what I'm kind of arguing against. Like, the more I've watched, like, the other, like, I, I obviously don't watch every league, but like the more I've watched La Liga, because in La Liga I watch, so I watch a lot of relegation battles. In Syria, I watch Venezia, so I'm watching a thing, and it's on par, if not better in some situations, like the bottom of the Premier League. And I would argue Uh, that
0: the Prem has even gotten less so in recent years, because, like, what did City win this year? 16 in a row or 13 in a row or something like that? It's like almost every weekend they turn up and it's guaranteed that they're going to win. I realize I'm saying this off the back of them drawing with Southampton, but 13 in a row, I mean, so... I don't know. I'm not even. I I don't even know if I really have a position on this. I just kind of. It's interesting to think about. Yeah. But. Yeah. I'll. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I'll bring us back to Arsenal here, quick. I think. I know. Uh, I've got to throw in a token question about shape, um, because Reese it's is a shape look. master. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it's kind of not. It's kind of a question about non shape, really. Um, because uh-huh. I know. I mean, we talked about this last night about how like you guys don't have a striker, so the the number one option is just to have this fluid attack, which has been basically Arteta's MO forever, really, even whenever Aubameyang was still playing because he's kind of been on the wing at times and he's capable of playing out wide. Um, so my question to you is that for the foreseeable future, if Arsenal wants to return to being a top-four challenger um, season in, season out, Is fluidity a real solution? Yes or no?
2: I think we need to... I think we have two options. Because the issue I see right now is that we have an abundance of talent in certain areas, and there isn't really a way to play them all in a way that makes sense uh, without doing a fluid formation, which I do not think is the way forward. Um, Mainly being Smithrow and Odegaard. Because... I think we look great when they play together. The issue is is that we do not play a system with two cams. If they play together, it's either Odegaard at cam and Smith-Rowe on the wing, which is fine, because, but they end up playing this fluid thing where they kind of swap and drift inside and stuff. Um, or smith Bro plays cam and Odegaard plays center mid, which, you know, Odegaard as a deep line playmaker I think is great. Odegaard, as somebody who's tracking back and defending, I do not think is great. Um, I think we need somebody who's more suited to a box-to-box role, which is, I think, something we are looking at in the transfer market right now. The other solution... Oh, sorry, I didn't even talk about solutions. So, now, after I say that, there's two solutions. One, we buy a striker in the window. um, And we will just have to pick and choose which of those two players we want to start and someone can come on as a sub, um, which kind of sucks, but I think I think that's kind of what needs to happen. We are looking at, we, we were pursuing Vlahovic pretty much the whole window. It fell through, which is sad, but I would have been more upset if we hadn't attempted it um, because they did make it seem like it was an option that could happen. Um, but now that it's fallen through, uh, right now, it seems like our current transfer target is Alexander Isaac, from Sociedad, I believe. Yeah. Um, who I think, you know, obviously I don't watch a lot of other leagues, but um, he has been on the radar of pretty much everybody. Like everyone knows his name for a little while now. I think he played at Dortmund before as well, um, mm-hmm. and he's had success at both clubs. So I think you know it, it's a good young option to go for as well.
4: Um, he's been
1: pretty good. I've watched him a few times. Um, yeah. In different games. He's he's pretty good, and he he's similar. To a bombing where he does a lot off
3: of the
2: ball as well. Yeah. Also tall, fast, fit, fits the profile. Yeah. Um, He's
3: been starting for Sweden, I think.
2: Yeah. The other op- option is if we miss out on our transfer target, it could be time to experiment again. Last time I called for this, though, ended up working out really well. Because uh, I think last season, when we were having issues in the midfield, I said, we need to introduce Smith to the team and take a gamble on him. And since then he's been one of our best players. I think if we miss out on a striker, something that could happen because it's something Pep likes to do as well. And obviously Arteta studied under him for a long time is that we completely abandon the idea of a striker. And instead we play either Smithrow or Od- Odegaard as a false nine. Uh, but that's a little more experimental and a little more risky. Uh, because it doesn't necessarily solve our goal issues. We, we would be asking even more of the wingers. Um, it would just be under a new system. But I do think it's something to consider. Because I, I really do think those are our only real two options. Is that we either sign a striker or we have to change formations.
0: Yeah, so my other question that kind of like backs that up, I guess, is that what's the ideal structure for the midfield? And I don't necessarily mean Odegaard and um, Smith-Rowe. I mostly mean, are we talking double pivot? Are we talking one number six? Are we talking a six and two eights? Like, what's the kind of ideal structure for the midfield?
2: I think the idea would be a six and eight and a 10. Because we do like to play more attacking, so... It's always good to have a midfielder who can play box-to-box. Box. Um, so as of right now, I think Party probably fulfills the 6th Um He likes to push up every now and again, but I think that's probably what we will go with. Um, I think we are looking at buying a number 8, because Xhaka doesn't fulfill that role, and he has disciplinary issues. Um, Samuel Lukonga does fulfill the role, but he's still very young, and I think he's been good, but he's definitely not... The he's not exactly uh, as good as we need him to be, a start anyway. I think a few seasons time maybe, but um. So yeah, I think we're looking. We're in the market for a number eight, and then obviously number ten would either be Smith Rowe or Over. Ob- Ob- yeah, so that's probably how I'd structure it.
0: I mean that makes sense. I I was wondering because I've seen quite a few different um, interpretations of it, like as far as. What Arsenal have been playing, like how the structure is set up, Um, because I know, like in the Burnley game, I think the uh, the main structure was essentially just sambi Lukanga as a singular pivot, I guess, like a a traditional number six. Um,
2: Yeah, that was also because Xhaka uh, obviously had to miss that game through suspension, and Party had was just back from Afcon, Um, so he didn't feature till the very end of the game, but. The, the other option, if we want to use some fluidity in the formation is, because I, I said Party could play six. I think Party can play eight as well. I think, you know, he has things to offer going forward. So if we wanted, we could play a double double pivot with Party and somebody else. Um, and one of them stays back while the other one pushes up and helps up in the attack, and they just kind of rotate on that uh, roll.
0: Okay. That makes sense to me. Uh, do you have any final thoughts?
2: Um, that's pretty much what I got. Um, I'm hoping we sign a striker. Um, The false nine thing actually wasn't something I really thought about until, you know, the today, past few days kind of thing. But it's an idea that actually intrigues me because obviously City have had some success with it happening with Foden as a false nine. Or, yeah, yeah, Liverpool uh, with Firmino. But, yeah, it could be interesting. It, It would be a good way to have them both play... Odegaard and Smith-Rowe play in positions that they're comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Okay, I think we are going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back with the quiz. And we're back. It's quiz time. Okay, gentlemen, I have put together a quiz that is relating to the season that's gone by. Essentially, 10 players have got more than eight goal or eight or more goals this season so far and you guys are going to have the task of naming them now to decide who we're going to do this in the like standard uh style that we've been doing it before going around and letting each of you have time to answer and then you know but the way we're going to decide who goes first is by you guys have to tell me how many players have 10 or more goals so the quiz is Eight or more goals, you guys have to guess how many have 10 or more. And whoever's closest gets to go first. So.
1: Four. Five. Three. Assholes!
0: (laughs) The answer is I wanted to go first. It's only two. Only two players have 10 or more goals so far this season. So Reese gets to go first. There are 10 answers. So Reese is going to get to go first. And then we are going to continue to go around. Everyone's going to say an answer, and if it's right, you get a point, and if it's wrong, you don't. Got it? Okay. <laughs> okay. Is everyone ready?
2: Uh, yes.
0: All right. Reese, you're up.
2: Diogo Jata.
1: Yes. Josh. Uh, Mo. Yes. Ahmed.
2: Mo <laughs>
3: Is Dennis one of them?
2: Yes. Um. Gallagher.
0: No, but he does have seven. Yeah, I was like. Good shout. He I does actually, like, he's no. close, but no.
1: Vardy.
0: Yes, Vardy. Good shout. Oh. De Bruyne? Not De Bruyne. No.
4: Damn. Um,
2: Smith Rowe.
0: Yes, he has eight goals.
2: Um,
1: I just had. A... I'm stupid. <laughs> I just had a player in my fucking head. Running out of time.
0: I know, Ronaldo. Yes, I was about to call time on you, and you got it. Good shot. Good shot. Ethan. Uh, Bruno. No, he also has seven. He's just behind.
2: Going with Foden.
0: No, I actually don't know how many goals Foden has.
1: Fucking me in fantasy the entire season. (laughs) I'm gonna. Raheem. (laughs) Who? Oh, Raheem <laughs> <name's> Sterling. Sterling. <laughs> no, sorry. I know it's slide. not. Who? I can't waste. It. Yes. Oh. Uh,
3: Lukaku.
0: No, it's not Lukaku. So, I'll take a I'll take a pause now and kind of reevaluate the situation here. So there's four players left. Two of them play for traditional top six teams. Two of them do not. Josh currently has three points. Reese has two. Ethan's got one as it stands. Alternatively, I'll give you another hint. Only one of these players is an outright striker. The other three, I would say, are all traditionally left-wingers. Although they've played elsewhere in their careers. But traditionally, they're all, what I would say, left-wingers that's going to be your hints for now so if we have to go again we will but all right reese
2: i am going to go with Aim.
0: no he's at five
1: richarlison
0: also no and i have no idea how many goals he has although he does have a bike
3: he does have a bike <laughs> this season in my mind did not happen it is not happening at the moment I know this is not going to be up there but Zaha
0: definitely. no he's he's not but this is tough because these guys all have 8 goals so it's like we're in the we're in tough territory
2: ok I oh. think I have a guess it's a little risky go for it uh Torres
0: no. no who does not even play for Man City anymore <laughs>
4: I know, but I, I, know, I know. thought he had a lot of goals no, in the no, beginning. It so was
0: just—it a... was just a like side commentary.
1: <laughs> Rashford, I know it's not him, but nope. he has like two.
0: I would like to give the nationalities as hints, but it would give them
1: all away, I think. Right, can't even think of any wingers that play for Chelsea or City because I think they both play for them. Ethan, do you have a guess?
3: Uh, Mason Mao.
0: No, not a bad shout, actually, but no. I'm glad
2: you guessed him. I was about to guess him.
0: Um, I'll go ahead and eliminate clubs that they don't play for. How about that?
2: You cut out, what would you say? Oh, I, yeah, said, I, didn't hear I said
0: I'm going to go ahead and eliminate some of the clubs that they don't play for since Josh brought this up. Okay. None of them are Chelsea players <laughs> and none of them are City players. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Uh, also, no more Manchester United players. There was uh, Ronaldo, but no more Manchester United players and no more Arsenal players. That's yeah. it. Reese is up.
4: Hey, um...
2: <laughs> uh, Lucas.
0: No, good shot, but no. I was I was
3: about to guess that.
1: <laughs> Sadio Mane.
0: Yes. Sadio Mane is on really? the list. I know, I couldn't believe it even I didn't think I, there
1: was
2: any shot. He has eight he goals. he had like
1: an 11-game streak with no goals.
2: Really? That's I, I, I think. Yeah. OK.
3: Oh, for the love. Oh, for the love. Indian <laughs> Nacho. No, no. Yeah. OK. I'm just grasping
0: at... Here's here's the next... Well, unless, Reese, do you have a guess? Because if you do, I'll go back around, but... No. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say the clubs that they play for. And this basically gives it away, I feel like, but... We have a West Ham player, a Leeds player, and a Spurs player. Go back around, Uh. Antonio. Antonio is correct. Josh. Rafinha. Yeah, Rafinha is also correct. Uh, Sun? And Sun is also correct. Yeah.
2: I think Josh won then. Josh did win by some
0: margin. It's a tough quiz though, I mean it's like... It's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a hard time coming Those up with one, so weird. I was like, who's calling?
3: <laughs> who's joining my the man. podcast?
4: My man.
0: We got a caller. Um, yeah, so <laughs> anyway, I, I was kind of struggling to come up with a quiz, and I thought exploring who scored the most goals um, was kind of a fun yeah. fun exercise. But
3: it's tougher I, than it looks. I literally I have not been paying attention to the, the golden so dude. See, you got the so one that, that I goodness. never would
0: have gotten, and that was Dennis. I never would have said that. Yeah, I mean, I know he's been. I have him in life. fantasy. Oh yeah, I have Rafinha in fantasy, so I, I was mean...
1: thinking of him immediately. But
2: I didn't you know doing... Son had more than eight or eight. He or has more.
1: eight. Yeah, I am but... surprised by Monix. I think he's still on like a goalless streak.
2: I'm still surprised by Monix, To be I'll honest, have,
1: I'll let's I'll go through the numbers. I so do early. not
2: remember him scoring a single time.
0: <laughs> the uh... I think he scored. He scored against Spurs. Um, I think. He, scored, he might have scored twice against Spurs, actually. But um, so uh, six players are t- or no seven players are tied for fourth in the league with eight goals. And that's Antonio, Dennis, Rafinha, Ronaldo, Mane, Smithrow, and Son. They all have eight. And then Vardy has nine, so he's third in the league right now. Diogo Jota has ten, who's second in the league, and then Salah has sixteen. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know who's gonna win the gold boot. And that's why didn't
2: I think Jato was top goal scorer?
0: He was, I think, for a brief period. But yeah, sort of, Is he still top uh, assistor? Uh, no, actually, that was my tiebreaker question: was who's the top assistor in the league? And it is a little. Well, I would have got it wrong. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold with ten assists. Oh. Sense. Yeah. So yeah, that was my tiebreaker question. So. Um, yeah.
1: The Rafinha one, I don't remember why, but I looked him up the other day for I don't remember what reason, and that's the only reason I got him. I haven't been fantasy.
2: should have saved really Smith Rowe for later because he was too close, and I was pretty sure he had eight. I should have saved him.
1: I still can't believe Vardy is third. Like
2: I can't. Yeah, I
0: feel like he hasn't even played hardly this season.
1: He, he hasn't because he's been—he's old and he's hurt. Yeah, it's wild.
0: So yeah, that was a little fun exercise quiz. We'll just now kind of wrap up the show by kind of taking notes about what's happened across the league largely since we've discussed um, mostly actually regarding managers because there's been quite a few sackings and firings and hirings. Um, So I think the biggest one was Solskjaer um, sacked by United Ralph Rangnick not time pointed i don't really know like well, he
2: was appointed as interim wasn't he
0: R- for the yeah year. yeah i
2: yeah. think so
0: yeah yeah till the end of the season for the year. so so uh, yeah i don't know how much better he's actually made them apparently there's some discontent in the dressing room if reports are to be believed with Ragnick. yeah um that's
2: what i've
1: heard i'm gonna have an unpopular opinion Ronaldo has been a little like, not shit, but like, he. I think he was a bad signing. I hate watching him play. It really pisses me off. I genuinely think he, he was a bad signing. I think he is. I think it just doesn't make sense. And you know what? This is going back to my fantasy team, but I got Sancho and Foden with my top two picks. I think they've both played like less than 10 games.
0: I mean, my two top picks were Kane and Rashford, and I traded both of them to Chris. So,
1: <laughs> you it back for him. My
2: though. first pick was Lukaku, and he's been injured.
0: I got back Sun and Bamford. I was really banking on Bamford to score, but Sun Bamford Sun's been good.
1: Great. But Bamford was great for me last season. It's a bad trade, but because
0: I awesome. but but Kane actually has not scored that many goals since I traded him. So I mean. It it honestly wasn't that bad of a trade. Rashford actually well, scored has four, scoring, hasn't he? But yeah, but he I mean, scored more than Bamford. I know. What's
2: the percentage? But,
0: but uh, of Pashley, four out of five of his goals oh, have been not with you.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But Rash, uh, I think Son has scored more goals than Son and Kane, or uh, Kane and Rashford combined since I've had him. So <laughs> that worked out. But um,
2: speaking of managers, uh. Rafa, I, Ethan sent us a tweet um, while we were talking. Rafa was sacked not too long ago, but uh, reports coming out from Fabrizio Romano, uh, given the here we go, Lampard is being appointed. Um, yeah. Very recent news. As, like, we are talking about it. We saw it. Uh, that is breaking news. So
0: Lampard and Jair are managing good. at the same time in the Premier League. That's pretty exciting. Yeah which provides me with a nice segue to say that Dean Smith was sacked by Villa, replaced by Steven Gerrard, and they've been really good um, yes. since he came in. And they have Coutinho. <laughs> they do have Coutinho, yeah, which is super random. but Random. Yeah.
2: He um, on his debut, though.
0: He did, yeah. And then Dean super Smith jealous. went from Villa to Norwich after uh, Daniel Fark was sacked. And um, they've actually been all right. They've not been great, obviously, but... I mean they beat Watford 2-0, they beat someone else that I can't remember. Newcastle was it I think maybe. Um But yeah, Norwich not been too bad actually. Um they're out of the relegation zone for the first time this season as we are, as we're talking right now. And um they will probably end up back in it because Newcastle are signing everyone. But um
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: That's so you- Newcastle lost to Cambridge.
0: That is pretty hilarious. Yeah, that's bad. Wasn't it Trippier's debut too? Yes.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it was.
1: It wasn't even like Cambridge just scored like a one-off goal; like they almost scored second times. It was terrible.
3: That was hype.
1: Yeah,
0: Eddie Howe new manager there, by the way. Um, Brucey finally out, and uh, Eddie Howe new manager. I don't, I don't. It's a Mm -hmm. appointment. I don't really care about it. I think it's not the best, not the worst.
1: Anytime Uh, I hear Bruce like Bruce E. I just think finding Nemo.
0: I think of Bruce Boudreau, the current Mr. Vancouver Bruce. Canucks coach. Oh, Mr. Bruce. Bro, back to Mr. Bruce. Our middle school security me. guard. Yeah. God. What a guy. I forgot. Yeah. Um, am I missing any uh, sackings or hirings? I can't think Claudio, of. Claudio,
3: I mean, I, I oh, know we talked about that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Fuck him.
0: Oh well and then I guess the, the one that I did talk about but didn't actually mention was Nuno getting sacked by Spurs and replaced by Conte.
1: It's our last podcast. Yeah.
0: We last yeah. I think the last podcast that we had was uh our I think it was we lost uh we lost some game that I was pissed about, but I can't remember what it was. It was our last podcast that we had. And Nuno was still in charge I
4: mean-
1: the first half of the season, I think you were pissed about every loss.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's correct.
2: Oh, uh, Roy. We talked about it already, but Roy to uh, Watford.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, once uh, again. It
3: looks like... What's that, Ethan? It looks like our last podcast was October 9th, and that is when they hired Ranieri.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. It's so go, by the time our next one comes the out, they'll probably have the sacked Roy.
3: And even yeah. if it's
0: next week, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to th- see what game I've, what la- the last game would have been in between that time. I think. Uh, it was right after we beat Villa, so, and then. Yeah, Nuno wasn't sacked until the thirtieth of October, so, yeah, it's happened definitely since since our <laughs> last one, but um, yeah. I guess we can round out the pod as well by giving a quick nod to the U.S. national team who were in action last night against El Salvador. Um, picked up a win, not the most convincing win ever, but a win nonetheless, and a goal from Anthony Robinson, uh, who's on performing really well at Fulham as well, actually. Um, and
4: it was a frustrating game.
0: Yeah,
2: it was. Yeah because, like, I, I will say, we didn't really play any of our first choice strikers, who I would say would be Josh Sargent and Pepe. Um, we started with Pereira at striker, which I thought he was fine, uh, but he missed some bad chances. And then we subbed on Jassie Zardes, which I do not think is good. I but cannot believe. He's I have to imagine sports. the reason he came on is because Pepe will probably play the whole game against Canada. Canada. It's
1: yeah. also because he was in Columbus, and as a as a sub, he's actually like. Have been, like, semi-decent national team. Who, Zardex? Yeah. Like, in the Gold Cup, he played pretty well when he came off sub. Sure. But, but it's also, like, his home, like, return to Columbus. Like, I think that's a big reason why he...
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. I just don't think... I don't think Zarda should be anywhere near the shirt. Um, but...
2: I was thinking about this um yesterday, last night, after the game. Because... You know, I have never been as cynical as Gabe regarding the US national team. I don't think anyone um, has. But I was thinking I was thinking about how the last World Cup qualifiers we did not qualify. And I realized just how bad we are because because like right now I am happy with the US national team, but I still don't think we are like amazing or anything. Yeah. But I can't like I I actually can't imagine after watching us last night. I can't imagine how bad we had to be to not only qualify but to lose to Trinidad.
0: That's man, like that is just now <laughs> dawning
2: on me after four years.
0: <laughs> Trinidad, who didn't even qualify for the qualifying round this this time around, like, yeah, yeah. I I mean I've spoken so much ad nauseum about that. I don't want to pour out, but I just think, yeah, I'm happy with where we're at right now. Though I think we're back on track. I just I. So much incompetence and poor
1: decision-making all, in the U.S. We also, like, there was an entire generation where nobody really came through. Like, the generation between, like, Dempsey and Pulisic. Yeah. Like the generation with Dempsey that played in the World Cup. And then there was nobody that really came through, and now we have, like, such an influx. Of...
2: We do. So we I have a lot, a lot of young talent moving to Europe.
1: That's exactly okay. why. I know... But also like I know this isn't like the most popular opinion. But, like the MLS like expanding to so many cities and so many of them are setting up academy systems that players like are actually like getting a chance to play soccer and not have to pay like four thousand dollars a year to play.
2: No so, yeah, I I also think, you know, the MLS is finally showing that it, it does actually have hidden talents because yeah. It's not like these players, because obviously Pulisic did not play in the MLS. He went through Dortmund's academy. Um, and there's players like him who are American but choose to play all of their soccer in Europe. But quite a few of the talent crop we have started in the MLS and have since earned a move to Europe. Um, and we're seeing, you know, multiple top teams um, scrounging around the MLS and looking for players. Uh, Arsenal actually just secured a deal for the summer um, to bring in Matt Turner. Uh, who was our Gold Cup goalie, uh, and he, he also played, played last yesterday. night. Yeah,
1: he played yesterday. We have way too many goalies right now. That is the we one We do, thing. yeah. So I think they called up five, or four or five for this round. I think our first.
2: best two is probably Zach Steffen and Matt Turner, Matt Turner I would oh, yeah.
1: say. I think it's Zach Steffen and the guy from Bruges. Horvath? Ethan he comes from come. Nottingham Forest. It, uh, yeah. Oh, never mind. Or I'd still be Stefan and
0: Horvath. He also doesn't start for Nottingham Forest, so I would kind of be inclined to err
1: on the side of Matt Turner. But. I mean, but Matt Turner also, like, hasn't really. Like, he played well, True. but he hasn't really played a whole. True. I mean, and Zach Stefan is the play.
0: definite number one. But. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. um. I mean, the other thing is there were a few other notable absentees last night. Like, uh, Gio Reyna is still injured, so we, we haven't seen him in a while. Um, and a few of our center backs are injured. Like, John Brooks is still injured. Um,
1: I think Pulisic needs to be played on the wing. He is awful as a 10. Yeah, I agree.
2: Like, it was horrible last night. Like I think he, that's it, purely it, personnel, because Gio Reyna would be 10 if he was fit.
1: I
0: mean... I don't know why Brandon Aaronson doesn't start at ten and Pulisic start on the wing. Like I feel like that Brandon would be. The wing.
2: We may see that happen because Brandon Aronson did come on as a sub. Yeah, I mean, he for replaced Pulisic.
0: Pulisic, yeah. So
2: that may happen that in the happened. in the uh, Canada game.
0: I also don't love Tim Weah as a as a winger, but I understand the limitations. Really? Yeah, I don't love it. I actually
2: really like him there. I think he's kind of had a, a bit of a resurgence in the team.
1: I think he was okay last night. I don't think he did anything special. Like, I don't really know like why. Like Pulisic's control, like with two or three players around him, is horrendous. Like I don't know why they don't have him playing on the wing. Yeah. Like we really needed him right on the wing, like to at least get like a quality cross. I think we kept getting the balls on the wing and then we'd get like four or five blocks, and the cross would go behind everybody, and we'd have to go chase it down.
0: I will say our midfield really impressed me last night, though. Weston McKinney, obviously, is Weston McKinney, and he's great. Um, Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams is Tyler Adams, and he's great. And then Yunus Musa, who really impressed me last night. I thought he was really good.
2: He's he's been a mainstay uh, since he featured, I think, in the last international break, or maybe it was the Gold Cup.
0: He's an interesting one, because he came through an academy in Mexico and then earned a move to Valencia, but he was actually born... He was born in the US, but he grew up in England. But he played his academy football in Mexico.
2: So worldwide. Uh,
1: yeah. He was one that like it was like when he announced like who he was gonna play for. That it was, was a big massive. deal. Yeah. Yeah, let me see. I think...
0: Nope, I'm actually so wrong about that. He did not play at all in Mexico. There was someone who played his academy football in Mexico. Anyway, he was actually at Arsenal's Academy for seven years. And then he moved really? to Valencia. Yeah. There you go. Uh I I'm trying to think of who that is that I'm thinking of that's in that was in the Who's Academy of Mexico. Going for he's on line at Celtic, uh from Spurs. Still. Interesting. He still plays oh, for Spurs. Oh, Carter Shorts. Vickers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how, but he still plays for Spurs. And I think finally though, he's been playing really well at Celtic, and I think he's actually gonna get a permanent move for once in his career finally. Um so that's that's good to see. I'm still looking for who that is that I'm trying to think of.
1: Taylor Tessman, or Tanner Tessman, has been playing for Venezia Did. a lot.
2: Sorry, they're like I'm going. I'm going basically on the name, but um, De La Fuente, the guy who's at Barca right
0: now. No, he, he was isn't he at Marseille, or wasn't he at Marseille at some point? Oh, uh, I think loaned. he
2: he got loaned out. Yeah.
0: Who am I thinking of? It's like a winger. He has, like, the reason I, Yunus Musa was one of my thoughts of who it was because he has a, his name is, or his name is, like, um, African language derivative, and I cannot think of who it is. This is going to drive me up the wall. I'm still looking through all of our players, and maybe I'm just on crack, but I swear.
1: Um. well, he's searching. Yeah. Uh, a couple other players. Um. Tanner Tessman has been really good for Venezia. Um, I've been really impressed with him. Um, he's been he's been playing a lot of different roles. He's playing like all central field. Um, I'm trying to think of some other other um,
0: Reggie Mexico. Cannon.
1: On, Reggie Cannon. He's yeah. been he's been in Portugal.
0: Yeah, he plays really oh, I mean yeah. I, I really like Reggie Cannon every time he plays. Even though he I know he didn't Dude play. Too. Last night,
2: he's but. just Yeah, I, I feel like I I, I know you've criticized Dust before, but I'm I'm a big Dust fan. I think he'll I think he probably starts over Reggie Cannon every time.
1: He's good at a wing back, but if we play four I'd rather have Reggie Cannon. Um and then um Gianluco Busio, He's injured right now, but he's been playing He's been playing um, all across the. Um, Dude, I am about to
0: lose my mind.
1: I don't think you're gonna narrow it down at all. There's so many American players that ha- kind of have that path.
0: Nope. All right. I don't know. He- but the thing is, like, he he doesn't. His name is not like. It doesn't sound like a Mexican name. Like, it's. It stood out to me because he- I. His name is like African derivative. Anyway, I'll find it eventually, and I'll send it somewhere. But, um, yeah, I think
2: yeah. Any... Josh, Josh Sargent just got his first two uh, Norge goals, so it's I'm excited to see him kick. eventually. Yeah,
0: that goal was insane. I think it was kind of an accident, but it was insane.
2: Probably, but it was it was yummy. Yeah, excited to see him uh, eventually uh, in the U.S. team.
0: Yeah, I am as well. And it'll do his confidence a world of good to have scored two. And it'll do Norwich the world of good to have him scoring as well. So, um, yeah, all around good stuff for the U.S. at the moment. This game against Canada that's going to be on Sunday is one of the like biggest games of the qualification stage because they are our rivals to finish they top. Looked,
1: they did not look great last night against Honduras. I watched the second half after. And they were really struggling without Davies. And I was going to say, without Davis, they're... It's trouble for them. Like, they won 2-0, like, and both goals were... The first one was like, and like, well, it worked with that. second one, it was a beautiful chip for me, but it was kind of just like a shot in the dark on a counterattack. Yeah. I the all lost to Costa Rica, which really improved. like yeah. The top three being... That helps our
0: chances. Jamaica's quietly actually making making some noise in the group, too, actually, though, so.
1: They were until, especially if they won last night. Yeah. one Mexico. It's been crazy, but.
0: The committal of Mikel yeah. Antonio has been large in that regard,
1: as you might expect. Yeah. My thing was, like, if Mexico scored, they're going to score right after. And I said that, and then they scored, like, five minutes. Yeah. So.
0: Okay, well, I think, gentlemen, that I will call an end to our proceedings now, um, unless there's anything else anyone would like to speak about. It's been a long, old time since we've done a podcast, but it's been good to be back in the swing of things. Um,
4: I will quickly,
2: uh, we've done it before. We're obviously not going to talk about it at all, but give the Dallas Stars a shout-out yes. back, back in a playoff spot, Yeah, in a wild-card spot.
0: Um, And tonight, well, actually, I think we might have have fallen out now because I think Calgary Calgary won a game between now and then. But we're in decent enough position. Yeah, we did. We're in decent enough position to maybe get into the playoffs. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to John Klingberg. Um, Tonight, as we're recording this, tonight is the night that we send 56 to the Rafters in honor of Sergei Zubov. So shout out um, the greatest power play defenseman of all time. Uh, Sergey Zubov. And, um, yeah. Well, uh, we'll call an end into proceedings there. Ethan, thank you very much for, uh, joining today. It's been a pleasure to have you back.
3: Yeah. Thank you for always being a good host.
0: Aw. Uh, Reese <laughs> as well. Thanks for joining us.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> no, thank you as well.
0: <laughs> and, uh, Bad boy. and Josh, of course, it's, it's always, Always great whenever we can have you on. Um, It's never complete without you, so glad you were able to join as well. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it.
0: So, to all our listeners as well, we want to say thank you and uh, we want to say stay safe and stay healthy. Didn't think we would have to still say that in 2022, but here we are. Um, And uh, we hope you're all well. We love you all. And it's a goodbye from us. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Slapcast. This is episode 7 of our coverage of the 2021-22 season. I'm your host, Gage, as usual, and it has been about three months since the coming of episode 6, and, um...
1: I fucking told you! Okay. okay. I knew it. The there was a buildup around it.
0: I was fine, and then I looked up. Ha <laughs> ha